It is a blessing to be back with all of you. It's a great joy, as Steve was saying, what joy there is here this morning. I pray that your eyes are open, your ears are open, to hear what God wants to say to you this morning, and that your heart is open to receive his word and the truth that he has in it. The message that I've prepared this morning, I've titled Ordinary People. And this message comes from comments that people have shared with Jeff and I on how their hearts have been touched by what God is doing through us in Haiti. But to Jeff and I, we're just ordinary people doing what the Father has called us to do. God uses ordinary people wanting us to do what he's speaking to us to do. He uses ordinary people like Pastor Emilio, who takes time to set up pastor conferences for us in the southern parts of Haiti. He also is the president of the League of Pastors, which allows him to interact with hundreds of pastors in the South, as well as with their churches and congregations. Why does Pastor Emilio do this? Because this is what the Lord has spoken to him to do. God uses ordinary people like Pastors Mark and Valerie, planting a church here in Wisconsin while traveling an hour and a half from where they live. Why do they plant the church here in Wisconsin? Because that's what the Father has told them to do. Or Jeff and I, ordinary people being used by God to do what he's placed in our hearts to do. What is our goal in Haiti? Well, we find it in Acts 3. This is where Peter and John are at the gate of beautiful, and there's a lame man who is begging. And that lame man and Peter and John, they lock eyes. And that lame man is expecting to receive. And what does Peter say to him? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. What did Peter give him? He gave him Jesus. He certainly didn't give him silver and gold. He gave him who he had. That's what Jeff and I do in Haiti. Why? Because that's what the Father placed in our hearts to do. In 2009, that was the first time that Jeff came to Haiti with me. And we were part of a two-night crusade. During that two-night crusade, Jeff preached both nights, and we prayed for people afterwards. And we were set up in a field in the back of a truck. People came from everywhere. And one of those nights, I took a step back, and I was taking in what the Lord was doing through us. And for the first time in my life, I was right where I was supposed to be, doing what God had called me to do. But you know what? It required us to step out and do what our Father was speaking to us to do. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. All of us can be Jesus to the world. When we say yes, he works through the willingness of our hearts. Most of us have heard the saying, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. Well, this is how I've applied what our call is in Haiti. That if you give a man a word, he's satisfied for a day. But if you teach a man the word, he has a feast that will sustain him for a lifetime. You see, we can calm someone, comfort someone, encourage someone with a quote of the word. And for that moment, they're at peace and maybe even satisfied for the day. But if we teach someone the word so that they hear it over and over and reveal to them the truth of who God really is, that he is love, that he is good, that he's not judging them or their country, that he loves them, that he forgives them, then they have a feast that's going to sustain them for a lifetime 
because their life is being impacted with the life of Jesus on a regular daily basis. And their foundation is a solid foundation because it's being built truth upon truth upon truth. And their minds are being transformed and renewed in the word and not by the world. I absolutely love that our Father doesn't look at our outward appearance, but our heart is what is precious to him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging your hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with incorruptible beauty and a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. It is the hidden person of our heart, that quiet and gentle spirit. That's what Jesus loves. That's what our Father finds precious in each and every one of us. So we start this process by filling ourselves with Jesus. And when we fill ourselves with his love and knowledge and wisdom that's revealed to us through scripture, then we can draw from the truths and the revelations that we've received and have been filled with from spending time with Jesus, listening to him and hearing him, seeing him in every situation, believing his word. And then we can take and we can give away those truths and those revelations, his love and his compassion, and we share it with people throughout our daily lives. We do this so that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. We were created for so much more than just Sunday services. We are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Even in the smallest of tasks, God works through you and I to impact someone else's life. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God says, I have blessed you to be a blessing, and through you others will be blessed. How are others blessed? Through you. That's how God works. He blesses you, and when he blesses you, he's looking for you to turn around and bless someone else. Are we filling ourselves with the bread of life and living water? Are we drawing from the deep wells of revelation, knowledge, and his love that we've sown into our hearts? Are we taking and giving what Jesus has given us? I want to take a look at the wedding in Cana. This is found in John chapter 2. And verses 1 and 4 tells us that Jesus and his disciples and his mother were at the wedding. And when they had run out of wine, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus' response is, what does that concern have to do with me? My time has not yet come. And Mary said to the servants, and we're in verse 5, whatever he says to you, do it. Well, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Whatever he says to you, do it. I want you to notice that Mary was not talking to the disciples, but she was speaking to the servants who were helping at the wedding. Ordinary people that are about to be used by God. Verse 6 goes on to say, Now there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Do you realize this is approximately 150 gallons of water that's about to be turned into wine? And this was done after the guests already had much to drink. This shows us that Jesus has and supplies more than enough. His blessings are abundant. Verses 7 through 10 go on to say, Jesus said to them, 
fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Did you hear who Jesus was speaking to? It was the servants and not his disciples. You see, Jesus speaks to all of us. It doesn't matter what our title is, what our rank is, what our position is. None of those things matter. God will use people who are willing to step out and do what he tells them to do. If we are willing, he will work through each of us. Are you doing what he has spoken to you to do? Now, it's not clear when the water was turned into wine. What we do read is that the servants filled the water pots. They drew from them, and then they gave to the master at the feast. Somewhere between Jesus saying, fill the water pots with water, and the master tasting that water that was wine, that first miracle took place. And do you notice who the miracle was being done through? That water turning into wine was happening through the hands of the servants. That miracle happened as those servants did what Jesus was speaking to them to do. This brings to mind the feeding of the multitudes, the 5,000 plus women and children who were fed with five loaves of bread and two fish. And this is recorded in all four Gospels. And there was such a large group that they had them sit down in groups of 50 and 100. And when we look at John chapter 6, verse 11, it said that Jesus took those loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the loaves to the disciples, and to the disciples, to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. This miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus women and children was done through the hands of the disciples as they did what Jesus was telling them to do. When we go on to verse 13, it tells us that they had filled and gathered 12 baskets of fragments of those loaves, which were left over after everyone had eaten. 12 baskets, 12 baskets that remained. That shows us the abundance of provision that Jesus blesses us with. When we look at both of these miracles, the water turning into wine and the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children, we learn that from the hands of the servants and the hands of the disciples, all ordinary people, their obedience in doing what Jesus told them to do resulted in miracles and blessing others with abundance. As we look at scripture, Jesus shows us by his own examples how he did what his father wanted him to do. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 12. The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So Jesus tells us right here that he does what he sees his father doing. When we look at John chapter 5, verse 30, and in chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, I can of myself do nothing. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So Jesus tells us he does the will of the Father. Not his will, but the will of his Father. 
In John chapter 8, verse 28, Jesus said, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me. Jesus does what the Father taught him. In John chapter 12, verses 49 and 50, Jesus says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. I know his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Jesus tells us that what the Father is saying to him is what he is speaking. And when we look in John chapter 14, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And when we jump down to verse 20, it says, You will know that I am in the Father, and you in me and I in you. So not only is Jesus doing what he sees the Father doing and saying what he hears the Father saying, he also tells us that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. And he doesn't stop there. He says, and we are in him and he is in us. Therefore, whatever the Father is saying and doing in and through Jesus, he's doing in and through you and I because Jesus is living in us. These are some great examples that Jesus gives us. And his examples show us that everything Jesus did was done out of a relationship that he had with the Father, time spent together. We do what Jesus has spoken to us to do out of the relationship that we have with him, a relationship built by spending time together, spending time with him. Are we listening? Are we doing what Jesus is speaking to us to do? A while back, I was picking up some groceries at a market here in the States. I was at the checkout line, and the cashier's ringing my items up, and I hear from the Lord, pay for the gentleman's groceries behind you. And he had a couple items. Actually, it was his lunch. And as she's scanning my stuff, there's a couple times where I hear the Lord wanting me to bless this man with his lunch. And I run my debit card, and I'm putting stuff away, and I hear the Lord speaking to me again. And the gentleman's items are being scanned, and he walks behind me and out the door. And I'm like, wow, I really missed it. I said, Lord, if he is out in that parking lot, I will bless him. And I walked outside, and I don't think I ever saw that parking lot so empty. But he was sitting in his car, and he's eating his lunch. And so I went over to the window, and I tapped on the window, and I introduced myself. And I told him, the Lord wanted me to bless you with your meal. And I gave him some money and we exchanged words, and I left. What I love about this experience is I learned that, you know what, even when I miss it the first time or the second time, the Lord gives me another opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. There was a woman who we were praying for, and she wanted prayer for her wrists and her elbows. She was having pain. And as we were getting ready to pray for her, I heard the Holy Spirit say, measure her legs, pray for her legs. And I was taking in, it was so strong and it was so profound. And as I turn around and we get ready to pray for something that she asked us to pray for, I said to her, the Holy Spirit is asking me or telling me to pray for your legs. And so I measured her legs. I explained what I was doing. I said, one leg is shorter than the other. I commanded the leg to grow out and it did. 
When we were leaving that evening, she said, I hadn't told anyone that I was having problems with my leg. This showed me, and the Lord confirmed to me, I hear from the Holy Spirit. And it was so strong and it was so profound that I acted on it. And as I did what the Father wanted me to do with an open heart, he blessed her with something she didn't ask for, but he knew she needed it. Are we listening? Are we doing what Jesus has asked us to do? Jesus tells us in Scripture and reveals to us the importance of abiding in him. He tells us in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Keep in mind that the vine is a life source to those branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. <laughs> Did you hear that? Without Jesus, we can't do anything. When our focus is Jesus, as we meditate and study the word, we bear fruit, and our fruit is what glorifies our Father in heaven. In verse 7, Jesus goes on to say, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. It's the word that's planted in our hearts taking root and growing within us and bearing fruit that will allow us to receive what we're asking for because we'll be asking for desires that are in line with the word of God, a result of Jesus abiding in us as we grow and remain in him. Our fruit glorifying our Father reveals we're his disciples. We will do what he's asking us to do, and we'll say what we hear him saying. So what does Jesus say for us to do when it comes scripturally? The first thing that came to mind was to forgive. When we look at Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22, what did Jesus say to Peter when Peter asked, Lord, how many times or how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said, up to 70 times seven. Now Jesus' response is not one of legalism or a mathematical equation. Jesus is saying forgiveness is limitless. We don't stop forgiving. Paul reminds us this way. He says in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgive one another. Forgive, forgive. It means to do favor, show kindness, give freely. The word is from the same root word as charis, meaning grace. Forgiveness or reconciliation is made possible through Christ who forgave us. Forgiveness is an act in which one person releases another from an offense. Are you offended? Has Jesus spoken to you to forgive someone? You know in your heart if he has. Keep in mind what Mary said. Whatever he says to you, do it. Forgiveness releases one from a sense of unresolved guilt, restores a clear conscience, and restores relationships. To forgive is not to condone one's actions, but it's a choice. Forgiveness and forgiving releases healing in our hearts and in our lives. Forgiving brings healing. Look at Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Forgiveness and healing go together. Something else that Jesus has said for us to do is to love our enemies. Bless those who curse us. 
Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And in Luke 6, verse 31, it says, And just as you want others to do to you, you also do likewise to them. Love others, bless others, do good to others, pray for others, treat others the way you want to be treated, forgive. Okay, now we understand why Jesus said we have to remain in him. We have to abide in him. Because we cannot, in the flesh, do any of those things apart from Jesus. When it comes to loving others and blessing others, praying and forgiving others, do you notice that Jesus is saying, this is not only for your friends, this is not only for those who you love or that love you, or agree with you, or bless you. No, he wants us to love the unlovely. Forgive even when it seems impossible, even when we're still hurting. Jesus tells us to bless people who curse us, who talk unkindly about us, and to pray. Pray for those who persecute you. About a year and a half ago, the ministry and Jeff and I were under persecution by some people we were very close to. And the things that they said and the things that they did were hurtful and they were cruel and they were mean. And it went on for a short period of time. And because I love this person so much, it hurt my heart deeply because I never would have thought that what they were saying and doing would have happened, especially from them. One evening while I was praying for this person in particular, I was praying for God to pour his love into their heart. And then I began thanking him. Thank you, Father, that you're pouring your love into their heart. And I repeated that over and over throughout the evening. Tears are running down my cheeks as I'm placing this person in his hands, thanking him for pouring his love into their heart. And then I eventually fell asleep, repeating that prayer over and over. I want all of you to close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to listen to the chorus of this song. As grace flows down and covers me.
you can open your eyes. That morning when I woke up, I awoke to that chorus being played over me, over and over and over. Grace flows down and covers me. And it was very angelic sounding. There was a sensation and a feeling of God's grace, his love, his favor, his peace, literally flowing from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet to the tips of my fingers. I totally believe that my father was blanketing me and covering me in his grace because I took something that was so hurtful and so painful and I gave it back to him because in the flesh there isn't anything that I could do to change the situation around or for that person but to pray for them. Jesus tells us that we're to forgive and he says to be merciful. Paul says it this way in Romans 12, verses 9, 10, and 21. He says, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Praying for someone and putting them into the Lord's hands, even when we're still hurting. Love doesn't stop with our fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. Love is so powerful when it's shown to our enemies. Why? Listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Do you know what the word cover there means? It means to forgive. Love will forgive a multitude of sins. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Love others the way I love you. How does Jesus love us? Unconditionally and completely. We love because he first loved us with his kind of love, a self-giving love, a love that gives freely expecting nothing in return. When we love others the way Jesus loves us, it's a love that is kind and long-suffering. It does not envy and is not rude. It is not puffed up and it's not evil. Jesus' love rejoices in truth. Jesus' love bears all things and believes all things. Jesus' love hopes all things and endures all things. And I love this. Jesus' love never fails. His love is limitless, endless, and boundless. There are many scriptures that tell us about what Jesus is saying for us to do, what he's asking us to do. Make disciples. Teach and preach. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. He tells us to have faith, have faith in God. He tells us to believe. Did I not say to you, if you believe, you would see the glory of God? But let me ask you this. Just as Mary said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Outside of Jesus' teachings on how we are to live as believers with others, what is Jesus saying to you? What is he speaking to your heart? What is he calling you to be a part of the kingdom today, now, on this earthly life? Is he speaking to you to start a Bible study at work? Or maybe work with the youth in your neighborhood? Maybe he wants you to go to college and extend your education or make a career change. Maybe he wants you to get involved in missions. Maybe he wants you to buy somebody's meal at the checkout line. Only you know what Jesus is speaking to your heart to do. 
And you know what? More than likely, it's going to require you stepping out of your comfort zone. It's going to require you to trust him and believe him. And we know that the Lord speaks with our children and our grandchildren. We need to listen to that. We need to listen to what our children and grandchildren are saying because the Lord speaks to them too. Maybe it's to pray for someone or to share Jesus with someone. But let's not limit God. Let's not put him in a box. Have we taken the steps in doing what Jesus has spoken to us to do? I want you to think about the servants at the wedding in Cana. They had to fill what was empty. Are we filling ourselves with the word of God? If not, get filled. Fill yourself up with Jesus. Fill your water pot and keep yourself filled to the brim with the endless supply of Jesus, with his love and his word and his truth and his life. For some, maybe you're filled with the abundance of Jesus and you haven't drawn out of your heart yet that word to give away because you're uncertain of the end result or what others might think. And I encourage you to trust and believe the living water that's dwelling in you. Take it and give it away. I had to trust and believe the living water in me and I had to trust and believe my father as I gave it away the very first time I went to Haiti. I watched videos and I read pamphlets, but nothing prepared me for what my eyes would see or what I would smell or what I would experience in that third world country. I simply can't put into words the extreme poverty I saw, but there is an image that grabbed my heart and has stayed with me all of these years. And that's one of a child with a plastic jug catching water running off a mountainous pile of garbage. As I got off the plane, and walked across the tarmac to the building where we would get our luggage. There was the smell of diesel fuel and fish cooking and garlic roasting and trash decomposing, a combination of odors that we just don't smell here in the States. And the experiences of my heart goes far beyond words. It can't be explained, rather has to be experienced for you to fully understand what it's like to live in a third world country. My first time in Haiti, we evangelized. Want to talk about getting out of your comfort zone and being stretched by the Lord. When we evangelized, we actually had to cross rivers to get to the other side where the people lived. The children would walk in the water and they would hold our hand as we stepped stone to stone to cross the river. When we evangelized, there was a woman that I was praying for. And there were a couple of things that I remember from my time spent with her. One was, she was not going to receive Jesus that day because her and her husband had a contract and a commitment with a witch doctor. But she did let me pray for her. She was touched that we came from the United States to pray for her. And as I gave her the blanket, I told her, every time you're wrapped in this blanket, I want you to know that you're wrapped in God's arms. Some of the other things that we've done in Haiti are construction teams and medical teams. The construction team that we did, we were part of multiple teams where we built a bread oven. And the bread oven allowed the village to have a source of income, not only for that village, but for the people living in the village because they could bake bread and take it to town and sell it. And then they also rented out the bread oven to surrounding villages to give the church and the school a source of income. The medical teams that I was a part of, I have no medical background. 
It goes to show that God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. And it shows that he uses the willingness of our hearts. <laughs> I have flushed ears with things that we won't talk about that comes out of them. There are children's feet that we would wash and bandage. They would have cuts on their feet pretty much from playing soccer, but most of them don't wear shoes. It's a small child that I treated for scabies. Scabies is a parasite that goes under the skin, and it itches, so when you scratch it, it spreads. And so we would treat the infants and the toddlers with a bath or a cream, and then later the mothers would bathe them. And the older children we sent that treatment home with, and then they took care of it themselves. The top photo there, we're at an orphanage, and I'm showing the children how to brush their teeth. So many things that the Lord pulls you out of your comfort zone to do, and if you step out in faith, he does it. I'm just an ordinary person doing what the Lord put in my heart to do. And when I look back over the years, I'm humbled and I'm touched at what the Lord has done through me to bless other people. And in turn, I was blessed by them. My heart and life has been impacted by Haiti. You see, when I look at a brochure or a photograph now, it has a totally different impact for me. I know how these people live. I've seen them without food and without clothes. <laughs> I've been impacted with their life and with what little they live on. See, it's not just a picture for me. <laughs> Those people have a name. They have a home. They have a family. They're living and breathing. And you know what I love best about it is that the Father has called me and Jeff to be the ones to impact their lives with the life of Jesus. When I came back from one of the short mission trips, I asked my father, you know, Lord, what do I do with the other 355 days of the year? I was so impacted with that medical trip at that time because there was a woman whose feet were literally puffing out over her shoes because her shoes were two sizes too small. And I remember bathing her feet, washing her feet, tending to the sores, and was reminded of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And when I asked the Lord, you know, what do I do with the other 355 days of the year? He told me my workplace was my mission field. And when I grasped the reality of what he was saying to me, I ran with it. But I did it in a very subtle way, because where I worked, we weren't allowed to share our faith openly. But it was interesting, as I'm sharing Jesus in subtle ways, my boss came to me when her husband was diagnosed with cancer and asked me to pray with her. And as she did that several times, I actually printed out scripture verses for her on little cards, and she kept them in her pocket, and she had them on her desk, so that when she was hit with a thought, or she was getting depressed, or she was getting worried, fearful. She went to those scriptures so she had something to pull from, to draw strength from, because she ran our department. There's another woman who saw me reading my Bible one day at lunch, and we shared Jesus one to another, and the Lord led me to leave scripture verses on her desk. Years later, she contacted me and told me how powerful that was for her, because it was at a time in her life where she needed that. And then there's my dear friend at work. <laughs> I knew her before I started this job, and she thought God gave her cancer. 
She thought God gave her cancer to bring her family together. And I told her that that is not the God I know, and that if you look in Scripture, you're not going to find anywhere where Jesus gave someone sickness or disease. And over time, she was open to the truth of the word. Not that she didn't know it, she just didn't have the right information. Did God take something bad and use it for good? He absolutely did. He did bring their family together. But because I took time sowing the word into her life, and she was open and her mind was renewed, there came a day where God did a creative miracle in her. And both of her shoulders were brand new rotator cuffs because she was ready to quit her job because she couldn't lift her arms anymore for some of the work that we had to do. And she would talk about going to her church and washing the floor on her hands and knees because it was a new movement that she couldn't do before. I didn't realize how much I had impacted my workplace until I left to go to Bible college. That is when I saw the fruit of what God was doing in me and through me when I took his words of using my workplace as my mission field. You see, we're all ordinary people. We're light to the world, carrying the light of life within us. Jesus says it this way in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. We're given the light of life when we follow Jesus. And his light shines forth, and his life of light shining out of you is what draws people to you because they see Jesus in you. If our hearts are willing, we can all be Jesus to the world. And that's going to look different for each and every one of us because our callings are different. And we're all planted right where God needs us to sow into someone else's life. Do you know what sets you apart from the rest of the world? You have Jesus. We're all ordinary people. Pastor Emilio, ordinary man, leading hundreds of pastors to learn the truth about Jesus. Pastors Mark and Valerie, planting triumphant grace right here in Wisconsin, because that's what the Lord told them to do. Ordinary people. Ordinary people like Jeff and I, bringing heart of the Father, Jesus, to Haiti. I want you to keep in mind the servants at the wedding. They had to take that water and they had to give it away for that miracle to happen, for that water to turn into good wine. I encourage you to step out in faith, believing that what God has called you to do and what Jesus has said for you to do will be completed in you and through you. There is an abundance of Jesus in you, his power and his love, his knowledge and wisdom, his joy. You feasted on the bread of life. Draw it out. Draw out those truths of his word and share it with others. Let what you have been filled with drawn out of your heart and poured into the lives of other people. The miracle that you're waiting for, the miracle that someone else is waiting for, is in you. You are the very vessel that God has filled, and he's called you to impact someone else's life with his life. And just as Mary said to the servants, I encourage you and say to you, whatever Jesus is saying to you, do it.
Yeah. 